Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Do it. Here we go now in five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is a good one. We got Julie Leinberger, the founder and CEO of LineSync Architecture and Wheelpad L3C. Julie, thanks for coming on the show today. It was fun. I'm looking forward to, to having you on because you're you're a social impact leader. You're an impact movement maker. You're a social entrepreneur. An impact to us, Julie, simply means transforming lives, providing a service or something that wouldn't otherwise be there. It's a for-profit business model. So we're curious to know, Julie, and help our viewers out there, what is your impact journey? What's the origin? Where did you start? The origin probably was as a child, um, just the family I grew up in that was a very inclusive family. And uh, it was it's just always, the, you know, if there's more people that come along, you build a bigger tent type of thing. So when my husband and I started our architectural business, it was all about inclusion, even in a little one stoplight town in Vermont. And uh, we just funny things like when people would come to visit us and they were from Boston and they'd walk into a general store and, and, and the guy would have dreadlocks and the guy would say, hey, can you tell me how to get to? And 30 years ago, the owner of the store said, you're going to Joseph and Julie's, aren't you? And it was just that 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 feeling that, yeah, okay, we can, we, everyone can be inclusive. We may live in a lily white village but uh, we can import color, we can support color, we can support the multicultural future of our of our village, of, even in Vermont. So it kind of started there just in my upbringing. Um, my parents were members of the Baha'i faith and they just had people from all over the world always visiting different colors, different cultures, and it was fun. So when we decided to move to Vermont and start our architectural practice, people couldn't understand how did we, a new business, have a multicultural uh, uh, staff? How did we do it? Well, you recruit and support people. And uh, we did. We started our business when green was a color, not <laughs> talking about sustainability, which is what we wanted to do. We wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to pay all architectural interns for every hour they worked. We wanted to focus on green, sustainable, or Genki ingenuity uh, ways of building. It was about siting, is about uh, insulation, it's about preservation. And everyone said, oh, you're going to be out of business within six months. But that was over 30 years ago. And we've won many awards and we're still in business and we still have a multicultural inclusive staff. But what kind of changed for us was um, shortly before our godson's 26th birthday, he was in an accident and became quadriplegic. 
So all of a sudden, as we showed up for he and his for him and his parents at the hospital and didn't know what to do, we um, figured out, okay, he's got to get a new house and we're going to help him make it universally accessible. And that opened our eyes to a whole nother aspect of inclusion, especially these days in our society, when so many people with the medical advancements are living with mobility issues, living when even five years ago, if they had a certain type of accident, they would be gone. And now they're part of our, of our, of our communities and our cultures. So that's when we developed about five years ago, Wheelpad L3C. And L3C is a low income limited liability company. Hmm. And, and we did that because our vision is to keep families together. It is to make your home accessible now. It's to say people deserve to choose where they want to live, even if they have mobility issues. Because right now, so only 7% of families that need accessible housing have it. That means one out of uh, seven out of 100 families that need an accessible house for one reason or another have it. We are having such a housing crisis in the United States as it is, but when you add in the mobility issue, it's even worse. And so we are working really hard. So many people that have mobility issues, they end up putting their um, uh, hospital bed in somebody's living room. You know, no dignity, no privacy, no nothing. Or they're in an institution only because their house isn't accessible. And this counts for people like um, people coming home, injured service members, for people with that have had strokes or heart attacks or um, any of the debilitating diseases such as ALS or cerebral palsy or whatever. And um, it's like, no, you know, every, every human de deserves to live where they want to live. So we started making um, accessible uh, a few things. They're called wheel pad, pad being personal accessible dwelling and wheel because people with wheelchairs can use them. And they're also mobile. So we have, um, we've successfully uh, placed about, I think a couple dozen sweet pads and studio pads. And a sweet pad is an accessible bedroom and bathroom, like a bed and bathroom suite that through a connector attaches to an existing home and through a sliding glass door has a ramp. Therefore you can put it up to someone's house a mother, a father, a brother, and um, or whomever, and you can have access through the ramp. If you need a caregiver, they can come in through the ramp, but then you have access to the home through this connector that you can uh, roll in and play cards, have dinner with people, but still have your own privacy, your own dignity, and your caregivers can come take care of you without interrupting the entire household. And this was all from uh, Riley Poor, who's our godson, who had this accident. And he was this amazing, still is amazing, but at the time he was a videographer for Extreme Skiers. And he was doing a documentary on Simon Dumont when Simon won the X Games here at Riley's home mountain in Mount Snow. And um, so we were like, God, what do we do? And we went through this whole thing. He had to live 
in, um, well, he had taken a job with Nike, who honored his job even after the accident and relocated to Portland, Oregon for this job, but could not find an accessible apartment where a caregiver could help him in the shower in Portland, Oregon, of all places. I mean, really? So he was isolated in a motel room for nine months. New job, new this, new that. You know, he didn't have the bandwidth. All his friends would say, hey, come out. I'll take you out. I'll come over. I'll cook for you. And he didn't have that bandwidth. And people couldn't really come and hang out with him in an accessible motel room. It was too, too cold, uh, too tiny. So he eventually found a house. Uh, we made it a universally accessible. And as we were working with him, my husband said, hey, Riley, what if there had been this accessible bedroom and bathroom? And that's how Wheelpath was born. And what we love about the Riley story is um, he had found this uh, acupuncturist who would help him with uh, a lot of times people with spinal cord injuries have various nerve spasms and, and just spasms in general. And he found an acupuncturist that would come to his house. But after nine months, um, the doctor said that, you know, she had, although they'd made lots of progress, but she just couldn't be his physician anymore. And Riley was just devastated and said, mm -hmm. well, can I ask you why? And she said, um, well, because I've fallen in love with you. Wow. So now we are, you know, years later, Riley and Andrea, she, um, they are now a couple and they've just started this blog and this website called Radical Inclusion. And so Riley is a minority owner in Wheelpad L3C. And um, it's just, it's a wonderful story. And it just, um, what they do in terms of radical inclusion, they talk about interabled couples because she does not have a, a mobility issue. And it's just, it's wonderful. So that that that's what furthered our involvement in inclusion and everything we do with social responsibility, Just it, it just all dovetailed. And I'm talking up the stream and you may have a different question. No, 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 no. I, I love it. And and you think about transforming lives. I mean, talk about yeah. transformation when you provided a home for somebody, made it accessible, which brought in someone else to provide the acupuncture so it didn't transform their life. I mean, who would have thought? Right. I mean, who would have thought? I know. It's just fantastic. And like I said, we've had a number of successful installations and we are growing so quickly right now that we are creating our own manufacturing facility to keep up with demand. With the pandemic, our other manufacturer could no longer um, build our models for us. So we've started our own manufacturing, which is you know something we thought we'd do in the future, but hey, we're doing it now. And it's great. We get um, all of our staff, all of our team, we, whenever we do an installation, we get, oh, thank you, thank you, this and that. But then a month later, six months later, we start getting love letters. You have no idea how this has transformed our lives, that sort of thing. Um, some people, uh, oh gosh, I just got flooded with all these stories. Sure. <laughs> uh, one woman that her, they had brought the mother home out of a nursing home and put the mother in the middle of their living room. 
And when they we installed their wheel pad, it was just like, thank you, thank you. Not only is my mother more comfortable, but you've helped with marital harmony. <laughs> you know, not having someone right in there in their space. Um, we, during the pandemic, we did sell out completely because so many people wanted their loved ones out of a nursing home and not being in COVID infested. And it's brought families together in really lovely ways. People that don't want to put, have their um, loved one be in a nursing facility. One, because it's, you know, it's a lot of travel back and forth and then making sure that they're getting the care they need. And people are still going back and forth to do this. But once they have a sweet pad or a studio pad on their property, it's so much easier. And then that family member is really involved in graduations and a variety of things. And people just talk to us with tears in their eyes about the possibility that, that we made for them, which just keeps us going, even on those difficult days that everyone knows about for construction uh, <laughs> programs. Um, there are... Um, I think one of the most beautiful stories was a friend of ours who trialed our very first sweet pad. And she was one of those amazing active community people, bicycle rider, this blah, 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 just coach, a storyteller, all these things. And Cynthia's family took her boogie boarding for her 59th birthday in Maui. And she took that one extra wave and ended up with a spinal cord injury. And the entire community was rallying around her. She rehabbed over in, in uh, Boston. And they're a family that I said, oh, would you like a wheel pad? And they're like, no, 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 we'll be fine. And then I said, Cynthia, would you trial our sweet pad for us? So as long as she was helping me, it was okay to use it. If she hadn't agreed to that, she would have had to stay in Spalding Hospital. But she came home. And so for the last two years of her life, as best as she could, she was with her children. She was with her animals. She was in her gardens, literally in her gardens. And the whole family is just completely appreciative, so much so that when, after Cynthia died and it was time to move the wheel pad, uh, um, all of our, well, our studio pad and sweet pad are on chassis with with wheels so you just unhook the electricity and the mm. plumbing from the host home and you can take it to the next home which they did they did for us and then that was a man with a traumatic brain injury and he had his sweet pad then for a year a little over a year and again at first it was no 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 i don't need it right you realized what was happening with the a, a traumatic brain injury it's a serious injury and he um didn't connect it to his house because with three children and three dogs and cats he needed the space and the quiet that the sweet fat right. off so they used it for a year and they are so appreciative they again moved it to the next people who were leasing it because we have either lease models or models for purchase and now that man that had the traumatic brain injury, yes, he's a motorcycle, but he's also a quite talented builder. He, as we've started our manufacturing company, has come on as one of our, our lead um, uh, carpenters wow. to actually build wheel pads for us. So he knows it 
inside and out. And he says, you know, I can build all these multi-million dollar homes. I can do fence posts for $10 million home. I can do this. I can do that. But this is meaningful. Right. And so he has, it's the, uh, it's a family construction business. So he, his partner, um, his partner wife and his eldest son work, are working for us. And sometimes their daughters join in too. It's, it's just an inspiring story and consistently uh, working within the lines of intention and the intention to uh, include more individuals, uh, to have your values attract more value. And, and for our listeners out there, especially the, the real estate knots, the investors, I think this is going to be a lot more interesting uh, from, from their perspective uh, because this is what I guess I would consider you know, a blue ocean strategy. It's obviously it's all from coming from the heart, but really if you think about it from a strategic perspective, what can I take away from this example? You know, there's a red ocean that's so competitive and we think about ADUs, we think wow. about granny flats, right? Or, or things that are, are for the, the average um, house dweller. But when you include something like the personal accessible dwelling unit, I mean, how I'm curious to know how large is the market? You have people with injuries, you have people born with diseases, you have the elderly. How big is the market for people that need homes that aren't really made for them? Yeah, it, well, as I said, less than the they figure it's about seven percent of families that need accessible housing have it. Wow. In each of our models, we have a lift track so that people can either put on maybe a common one is the Hoyer lift or whatever to make transfers easy for people. Gives people a little bit more independence. It helps out if families are doing some of the part-time caregiving. And quite frankly, as again, as I said earlier, with the rise in medical um, medical advancements, this population of people needing accessible housing is only going to grow. And people are living longer. People are living within situations with conditions that they couldn't live in before. And it's just absolutely going to grow. And what differentiates us, there are some companies out there that say their models are accessible. And you'll see pictures of wheelchairs in them, but they don't meet, uh, let alone exceed ADA standards, which our mission is really not to sell as many as possible. Ours is to get people into a place that they're living and they're comfortable and where they want to be. So our focus is not on cutting corners to make something that we can have a, a lot, bit larger of a profit margin. Yes. We have to have a really good business model because it's tight margins, because if we don't stay profitable to stay in business and give our employees a living wage with decent benefits, then we can't help anybody. So yes, our, our bottom line is one of our bottom lines, but it's also how do we, how do we work with our employees? How do we inspire our employees to really go, you know, it's, it's really not hard to inspire our employees, I should say that, but also how do we interact with our community? For example, the, I gave you the um, example of Cynthia, Cynthia, who was the one that trialed our first sweep pad. In her town, there was no zoning for something like a, a addition like this. Hmm. Within days, the town all gathered up together, wow. changed the laws so that we could install the sweet pad so she could come home from Spalding. Amazing. And uh, yeah, and every single installation we've had, 
there has been, yes, some explaining having to go to a design review board or this or that, but every single one in the end has come through. And so it's also about, yes, the bottom line, how we treat our employees, but it's also about how we interact with our community. And everything we do in our, our suite pads and studio pads, actually all our pads, um, is as non-toxic as possible. Many, many people with spinal cord injuries have chemical sensitivities. So we use as much local materials as possible and all non-toxic materials because it's better for the health of the people in it, whether they have sensitivities or not. And so it's also about how lightly we walk on the earth and, and how do we continue that? And uh, it's, it's uh, every, every time we try to improve on something, we find something else that we can do a little bit better and it's inspiring. And then we take not only, we take all the stakeholders along with us and, and that we include all of our staff, not just the top management, we include our community, we include all of, as you noticed, not only is it our customers, but their family, their friends, et cetera. And it's just uh, whatever we can do to contribute to this ever advancing civilization of humankind. Absolutely, and I think that's really an attest a testament to your organizational philosophy of this holistic approach of uh, maximizing stakeholder value, really being there for your customers, their families, the community, working uh, alongside them. Amazing. Every single time you go to a board to, to change the zoning, which usually takes, I don't know how long, months, years, if ever. The average is two months. Two months? It, I yeah, mean, it's average is two months. We've had some a little bit longer and some like with Cynthia, two days. And what's the and normal? Um, timeline. If if you do get zoning changed, how long does that usually take? Uh, like I said, the average is about two two months to to get either um, a waiver or to have it be accepted. And um, the longest time it ever took for us was about six months. Wow. And uh, that was it was. Um, Sometimes it's hard because a lot of in the smaller communities, the zoning boards or the um, design review boards, they're volunteers. Right. So explaining the whole situation and um, thankfully with our, our background in architecture, we can work with with all these different volunteers. But even the act, the way we look at it, even the act of going through this we're teaching people about inclusion. We're teaching people about why this is important. It's important for their community to keep their community cohesive. You don't wanna have a community member that has to live two towns over only because his house doesn't have an accessible space for them. You wanna keep your community together in, in all its, its versions. I love it, and I love your uh, perspective on just the experience being helpful itself by just educating people. So everything that you do is is really having an impact on other people, whether it's presenting information and, and whether they take it or not is is incredible. The question, I, I'm, I apologize for the question. The question was, uh, if I wanted to change, like say single family to a multifamily zoning, how long does that usually take, not including uh, anything with- um, Not for wheel pad, years. Wheel pad. Years. Absolutely years. Yeah. Um, because it goes through the whole town and oftentimes that has to go either through a select board or through a town vote or through a municipality and actually changing zoning laws takes years. However, with this rise in 
a lack of housing, there have been many municipalities throughout the, our country that are changing and allowing ADUs, and that benefits WheelPad as well. So, Julie, just question, like, have you seen any examples around the United States that are uh, taking this approach, using this approach? Have you had any conversations with other architects um, trying to adopt your model? We, um, we, we now at this point, we're just trying as quickly as possible to get our manufacturing together to get out there before someone else does what we do. Um, we talk about it all the time. We, um, LineSync Architecture is a, one of the few architects that is certified B Corporation. Um, so I've uh, done some public speaking at B Corp uh, adventures, uh, uh, B Corp conferences, things like that. Also, when we started our Lansing Architecture in 1988, just two years later, uh, VBSR, which is Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility, was created in Vermont. Mm. And we quickly became members and eventually I became board chair. So just really strengthening what we was our intrinsic beliefs, but through the business model about how you can do well while doing good. And, and it's, it's, it's the combination to have a triple bottom line. And then, um, then I was also involved in what was then called Co-op America and is now called Green America. And Green America does what VBSR does for Vermont, Green America does for the entire country. And I've worked with um, the uh, American Sustainable Business Network. So there's a lot of support for this as well. And it's fun to get up and to talk to people and inspire them. And, you know, everyone isn't going to do it the way we do it. We fell into this niche because of the combined factors of we have a godson. He was highly successful. We have an architectural practice. He had an accident. We didn't know what to do other than show up at the hospital, but we just kept showing up. And then eventually how we could make a difference in the world presented itself. Mm -hmm. And we think it's the same for everybody. You know, just be there until they can figure out what is it, what is that they do, especially that nobody else can do yet, that they can offer the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, we figured out if we have one of our sweet pads available, and um, we're a little bit back. We're we're catching up with our extra orders Man, right now, yeah. which is a lot of fun. We can um, we can uh, install a sweet pad in in a week and a half to two weeks. Basically, you deliver it to the house. You either build or rent. Some people rent uh, ramps. You build a five foot connector onto the house through a back door. Uh, sometimes we use the header of a window and take out below and then save that in case they don't want the wheel pad anymore, then we can put their house back together. And then it takes an electrician maybe four to five hours to install, just to hook up to the host home's electricity. And the same with a plumber to hook up to the host home's uh, water and sewer system. And then you're good to go. And to make a house accessible in that short of a time, what it has done, our, our customers have told us, is people who are going through situations like this, they're already just awash in all the variety of decisions they have to make on a daily basis, whether it's through the insurance company, medical issues, family issues, whatever it is. 
And by having a, a sweet pad that already has the lift in it, it's already made for accessibility. It has a roll in shower um, with, with the track to help you get there. The bathroom itself is a full wet room that exceeds ADA standards. Um, it just helps, it helps them get through the process a little bit more quickly. Amazing. And, you know, I think one of the things I took away from that is that you know, it always starts with a small group of people. And, mm -hmm. you know, that has a profound ripple effect throughout the, the community, throughout the nation, throughout the world. So I just think it's stories like these that just you know, need to get out there. Um, so it's, it's really inspiring for me. You, you also mentioned, Julie, the triple bottom line. In your experience, where have you seen this show up in terms of saving costs, whether it's through through taxes? Uh, where in the balance sheet in the or in the, the profit and loss statement does this uh, intention show up? Well, we've actually switched from triple bottom line to multiple bottom line because we added the whole thing about the community. You know, triple bottom line usually means you, you got to make money to stay in business, how lightly you walk on the earth and treating your employees well. Well, we also consider the community as a member of of um, uh, as a stakeholder, even though it's a little bit more nebulous, but we keep finding more things to evaluate ourselves on. So our multiple bottom line, it shows up a lot in um, customer loyalty in people wanting to invest with us because they want to make a contribution to the to the world that's a little bit different than maybe what they're doing. It shows up, um, I don't know if it shows up in taxes. That was one of the things you asked. So uh, we haven't quantified it, particularly uh, specifically in terms of money, except for the fact that if you look at to put having your loved one live in a nursing home versus renting or purchasing a sweet pad, you get your money. Not only do you get your money back, uh, not only do you save the cost of the nursing home. But over the course of, I think it's three years, you're actually then building equity because if you leave this extra bedroom and bathroom on your house, you're building equity in your home. You're not giving the money away to a nursing facility. You're not just, and you've got your family closer. Well, I mean, you know, if you want to change the world, you know, start with either farming or real estate. I think those are two things that are just so empowering you know, to individuals. Um, for the long term, I mean, this is a far-sighted business that you have going on here. I was curious to know you had mentioned the L3C. Is that um, a tax-saving entity, or is that just a, you know a, similar to an LLC? It's just phrased differently. No, it is a it's a mechanism that was developed, and I think only sixteen states have adopted it. It's meant to be a hybrid between a for-profit and a non-profit. Mm -hmm. So that you're you're stating right now that we're a vision-driven company, mm. but we're also saying we're not a nonprofit. We are we're making profit in our opinion, and in my decision to stay as a L3C rather than a nonprofit was because I want to grow this business. I don't want the full. Um, how do I say bureaucracy of a nonprofit? Uh, I, I don't want the shield of a nonprofit either. Mm. Sometimes nonprofits say they're nonprofits, but actually when you look at the, the, the uh, 
a payroll spread between the top managers and the lowest mm. workers, it doesn't feel nonprofit to me. Mm. And L3C being a low income limited uh, liability company, that there is, you have to go according to your mission. You're allowed to make a profit and you're allowed to um, keep investing in the business to help it grow. And foundations are allowed to give grants as part of their program-related investment. So as we go forward in our manufacturing facility, we are approaching foundations to say, hey, those that they're interested in mobility issues, those that are interested in housing, those that are maybe interested in cerebral palsy and having rather than um, we have one a possible client right now who has cerebral palsy. He's now an adult. He no longer wants to live with his caregiver, but he feels tied to that caregiver because she has an accessible house for him. But he's kind of grown up a little bit more, and he's been living with this particular caregiver since he's a teenager. He's now an older, uh, uh, in his late 20s, an adult. He says, I want to go, I want to take something like Wheelpad and find another caregiver. And maybe I want to go to a different part of the country, but I want to have my own place. Mm. So with, we found a foundation that is interested in that type of um, independence for people, then they could give us a grant that we could then in turn help provide this type of housing for people. So that was our, our, our motive for that. And to, never be in a position when we're so highly successful, which will be in just a few years, that um, people can say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna just buy you out and then jack up the prices and be like every other business. Hmm. And so with great intentionality, we are making our business, we're hoping to make it um, you know that it that it stays to our our vision. Uh, you know, in Spider-Man, Peter Parker's father or grandfather once said, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Let's talk about leadership a little bit, Julie. And you just mentioned that, you know, I don't want to grow my company just to have it be bought out and then completely changed. Help me understand your perspective on leadership. What's What have you learned along this journey? I've learned that every single human being I've ever come across has something to teach me. And I've learned that me, rather than telling people how to do the right thing, if through my work and through my leadership, I can inspire people to come up with new ideas or new ways of doing things that help to contribute, as I said before, to this ever advancing civilization human of humankind, I'm doing my job. And in, you know, we try to just say, rather than say, but I'll say yet, yeah, rather than say, well, you say the whole yes and. So we continually explore things. And sometimes you still nix them, but you have the discussion. And so to me, the leadership is inspiring people hmm. to do their best and to, to uh, just continue on that path. Now, how do you... I guess, put your mind into that state to continually, it seems like you're very open and receptive to uh, new people, new ideas, learning lessons, and this this idea that you can learn something from everybody. How did you get to that state? Have you always been like this or is this a, con a continual practice for you? I think it's a continual practice. I think um, 
it's it's an odd thing to say, but um, my mother died of cancer. She got cancer when I was seven. She died when I was 10. And I was the eldest of three girls. And my father raised us afterwards. And his belief was, you know, at first he was, you know, raging, raging about why me? Why me? You know, he had a really good marriage. He had this great family. He was like, why me? And then he came to this realization. He said, well, why not me? What makes me think that I'm so special that I wouldn't have to deal with these problems that everybody else does? So from a very early age, um, we all had to step in, my sisters and I, and just make the best of everything. And I think our father really taught us how to do that. And uh, we just can, I do. I can't have the entire way, you know, as I've tell my children, life only makes sense looking backwards. And when, whenever we've made decisions in either of our businesses that have been more opening and inclusive, it's been for the better. And there are times that doesn't mean we never say no. That doesn't mean we never fire anybody, but we, we try to learn from each experience and make it um, as positive as it can be. And it's not always 100% positive, but there's still kernels that you can take out for the next situation to make the next situation better. And for those leaders and those entrepreneurs out there who have their own respective disruptive blue ocean approach, creating and you know finding a new niche that, that needs to be empowered and, and there's a market and there's an opportunity for it, what advice would you give to these folks who, when they reach this challenge, because it's new, what advice would you give to them for those situations? Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Hmm. It, that perseverance, perseverance is so important and do whatever it is that needs to be done to recharge so you can take that next step. There have been many times that on both businesses, like, okay, I'm done, you know, but then you recharge yourself, you figure out what the next step is and you keep going and all of a sudden you, you win an award. It's, it's about, for me, that perseverance. You just keep going. If you believe in it, if, well, when I believe in it, when I believe that this is so important and yes, make your home accessible now, you know, L3, uh, we say L, uh, Wheelpad L3C, your home accessible now or you know, keep families together, whatever that driving force is, when the chips are down, take a break, you know, be human and come back and take that next step and keep taking those next steps. Spoken like a true seasoned entrepreneur, Julia Kirsten, have you ever wanted to quit? Yeah. Oh, I've been married for 37 years. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, okay, this is it, I'm done. And again, we just sit, we recharge. You look at each other in the eyes like, okay, are you angry? What do you really want? Hmm. You can't build um, You can't build anything, whether it's a relationship or a business, when it's constant smooth sailing. And it's always, what do they say? It's, it's not how you fall down, it's how you get back up. There's all those memes all over social media these days. And it's true. You know, what's in your mind to say, keep going. And for me, it's that belief in our vision, whether it was for line sync architecture, 
to have, we, we live by a ski mountain called Mount Snow. And a few years ago, we did a new um, a ski lodge, a Corinthia base lodge up at Mount Snow. And we, you know, you're dealing with a corporation and we were able to prove with for them how by doing the greening of Mount Snow, you could actually be more profitable. And one of the things that I like to give as an example is they wanted this huge fireplace between, uh, my husband had the idea of to bring the outside in on the warmer months to instead of just big doors to use airport hangar doors. So they have big airport hangar doors that in the summer and spring and fall open up and they wanted to put a fireplace between. So a fireplace is gonna look dingy, you know, really small compared to these. So we created a firewall and they were like, oh, we love it. It was like six or seven propane um, types of flames just coming up. And just like, no, 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 not propane. We're gonna do this in biofuel. And the company was like, no, because we have this, da, 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 da. We just did the math. And no, you can save money by using biofuel. And in fact, in a few years, the regulations are gonna require you to. So here you can um, be ahead of the game. So Mount Snow now at the Corinthia Base Lodge has this beautiful firewall. Or um, so I'd say, you know, that was our vision with architecture to do what we could to make things sustainable. Uh, one of our clients is a trader and we had created a hedge fund office for him right on Broadway in, in Midtown. And his brother called him up one day and says, well, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm trading. What do you think? He said, how can you be trading? There's a brownout in New York City. And he says, no, nah, I'm doing just fine. And his, his brother said, you're bleeping Vermont architect because the way we had uh, created the computers, they ran on far, there wasn't a computer room that had to use all this energy mm. to keep it cool. We strung it out, made this beautiful walkway for it. And he made enough money that day, not only to pay for our architectural fee, but to pay for the entire multi-million dollar renovation of his office. So it's, it's what's your vision for LightSync architecture? It was about sustainability and doing, uh, creating an architectural office that was managed in a different way than most architectural offices without taking advantage of interns, having them work ridiculous hours for very little money. With Wheelpad L3C, it's about accessibility. It's about homes, homemaking, and it's truly about keeping families together. So when you have a vision like that, that you really believe in, or a marriage, that you really believe in, even when you get frustrated and fed up, you take that deep breath, recharge, and take the next step. Julie, it seems like everything that you've been doing has been efforts to leave things better than you found it. Uh, if <laughs> you, you sound were... like my father. Did he tell you the same thing? <laughs> yeah, we spoke before this, actually. Um, <laughs> if you were to exit the organization, not saying you're, you are, but if something were to happen or you're going to exit the organization, what do you think your legacy would be? That's really interesting. We're talking a lot about that right now. Our goal for Wheelpad L3C is to, when we were building this manufacturing unit, within 10 years for the manufacturing arm to be sold to the employees so that in our economically depressed area, we can have a facility that will constantly build models for Wheelpad the organization. The organization 
Right now, um, we have not done the, the paperwork to be a certified B Corporation, but we intend to. And that will be, the legacy will continue. And I have a, a wonderful team of people working with me that as they come on, we, we keep growing this vision, the culture of the company. And I fully believe that that will carry on because I also believe that doing business responsibly, making money responsibly, taking care of all stakeholders in a business is the way of the future, is the way for businesses to grow because people care. Right. Absolutely. The vision and mission are there. It's certainly going to manifest over time. Uh, Julie, I had a pleasure to speak with you today. Where can people find more information about Wheelpad in, uh, in, in your architecture firm? Uh, Wheelpad.com is, is the easiest. And uh, I'm very easy to find at Julie at Wheelpad.com. And I'm getting less and less. I think I just do a little bit of the financial planning now for LineSync Architecture. But that's uh, LineSync.com, L-I-N-E-S-Y-N-C. We synchronize lines when we're in architecture. So it's linesync.com or wheelpad.com. Julie, very inspiring uh, story. Let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? Touched on it a little earlier. It's inspiring others to lead. That they, they model it appropriately and not Pollyanna. <laughs> but appropriately, that it's it's tough, but it's worthwhile and inspiring others to find what is their special niche in the world and to go for it. For Julie Leinberger, I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you to go out there, inspire others, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Julie. Thank you so much, Kevin. Recording stopped. Amazing. You're natural. Hey, Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Releaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.